And now, Thriller Thursdays on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 30 I had been packing up my office for about an hour when he pushed open the door. He had a paper bag in his hand and was wearing a suit that was actually more wrinkled than the one he'd had on the day before. Wow, Jack said, this place looks like hell. Thanks so much, I snapped. You really know how to brighten the joint up. I mean it, he said. It didn't look this bad when I left it. I mean, you got rid of the two dead guys, which is probably a good move, but other than that... It was the cops, idiot, I replied. Rossetti's boys tossed the place looking for my camera, and Sabian's boys tossed it again, trying to figure out what they had been looking for. They could have just asked us. We wouldn't have told them, I said. We're funny like that. He thought about this for a minute. I'm not at all sure that we didn't tell them, he said. We've spent so much time downtown lately, I can't keep it straight. Yeah, I agreed, still working. Jack was looking around as though he'd lost something. Can I help you? I asked testily. Where's the coffee pot? He said. Oh, for Pete's sake, I said, throwing the pile of papers in my arms into a box. I don't keep a coffee pot in the office, Jack. He seemed baffled by this. How do you live? He asked at last, and I'm not sure that he was joking. You have a problem, you know that? He nodded. Not just one, he said. They are legion. Do you want a scotch? I asked, with a pretty good idea of what the answer would be. It's ten o'clock in the morning, he said. What are you, the speaking clock, I asked? Well, he said, when you put it that way. I opened the desk drawer. The bottle was still in there, but it was dry as a bone. Lousy cops, I said in astonishment. Now, now, Jack shrugged. It could have been the mobsters sent to kill you. You know it was the cops, I said. Yes, it was, he agreed. Did you want something, I asked? I did, he said, but you're out of both coffee and scotch. Don't tell me there's another option. There is not, I said. Ah, he nodded, gazing at the piles of paper like drifting snow. I'm going to try this again, I said, rephrasing the question. Was there some particular reason that you dropped by? Oh, he said, comprehension dawning on him at long last. He reached into the paper bag and pulled out my camera with the air of someone who expected applause. Where's the case, I asked. The what, he said, his face falling. The case for the camera, I growled. Don't tell me you left it in Samuel Burker's office. Who's Samuel Burker, he asked. The notary, I said through gritted teeth. Did you leave it there? Oh, no, no, Jack seemed mildly embarrassed. I have it. I just put some stuff down on top of it and kind of forgot about it. Certain parts of my office kind of look like yours. This is not how my office normally looks, I said, picking up more paper and stuffing it into the open banker's box. No, I remember, he said. Last time I was here, you had a couple of dead guys as throw pillows. Again with the dead guys, I sighed. Yeah, he agreed, holding out my camera at arm's length. Where should I put this? I looked at him for a moment. True or false, I said. If I take that back from you as it is, I'll never see the case again. That is not true, he said, trying to seem offended. Well, actually, yes it is, but it's also kind of a miracle that I brought this back at all. Give it to me, I said, taking it and setting it down on a clear spot on the desk, which I found with some difficulty. I want my case back by Monday, or I'll hunt you down and kill you like a dog. That's tough, but fair, he declared. And in that spirit, you owe me two fifty. What? I protested. For the Spencer job, he said. You pocketed the extra five. You owe me two fifty. 
I do not owe you two fifty. I said I did five dollars more detecting than you. I'm the one that shot everybody. You did, didn't you? I admitted grudgingly. And don't think I'm not a little surprised by that, he said. I'll get the next round, I shrugged. Uh-huh, he said. Two fifty. Fine, I sighed. Hand me my purse. No need, he said, producing a small pile of bills from his pocket. I've taken the liberty of extracting it from your share. I looked at the money. What the hell is that, I said. Money, he said. Tokens of exchange used by many cultures to... No, I said, mostly ignoring him. I mean, what is that? $54.11, he said, except I don't have a dime, so I'll have to owe you the 11 cents. I was getting annoyed. And the source of this bounty is... The certain very shady publisher that I sold the rest of Jimmy Licia's pictures to last night, he said, pleased with himself. You did what with who, I asked, astonished. He shrugged. You sold dirty pictures to a smut magazine, I said. I'm not sure there is an actual magazine involved, Jack said. It isn't really my forte, but they weren't exactly sunbathing in those pictures. I believe they are copied and sold as prints. You sold dirty pictures of two dead people, I clarified. Well, when you put it that way, it just sounds creepy and wrong, he said. Janet Timms had certainly been featured in this kind of work before, which is what you get for dating a piece of work like Jimmy Lish. I mostly did it because Roger Mayfield would have been horrified, and he was a jackass. He was your client, I said. He fired me, Jack said, and he nearly got me killed just by hiring me. He knew Rosetti was involved from the word go, and he still dropped me in the middle of that mess. Besides, your client would have been delighted. That's true, actually, I had to admit. And the creepy guy I sold them to seemed to think they were worth something to him, and who am I to stand in the way of free enterprise? He paid me, and $54.11 is your share, after I deduct the two fifty you tried to stiff me on. I thought about the math for a moment. He paid you $110.61, I asked? That seems kind of arbitrary. Ah, Jack agreed. I did not mean to imply that your share was equal to the half of the total, merely that it was your share. Ah, I said. You're the original horse's ass, you know that? So I've been told, he smiled. You don't want it? Yes, I want it, I snapped. Shut up. Ah, he said, touche. This isn't going to queer our deal with Bratzi, is it? I asked. I mean, if anyone IDs Mayfield from the pictures? I don't think these things have that kind of circulation, Jack said, and Roger Mayfield will probably have been forgotten by everyone except Sabian by then. Besides, Tony Bratzi's going to have big enough problems soon. Did you see the reviews? I nodded. The evening papers have been full of the supposed gangland slang of Alphonse Rossetti, notorious mobster. They seem sure it was a mob hit, I said. Makes sense, really. More sense than the truth. The soldiers are lining up behind Bratzi, right enough, Jack said, but they're pretty ticked off. From what I hear, the only way Bratzi can keep control is to lead them into a war. With the Mason gang, I asked? Jack nodded. Mason will chew them up and spit them out. He's an up-and-comer. Aggressive, organized, aggressive, ruthless, and aggressive. Yes, I said, but is he aggressive? In fact, he is, Jack said. He'll never even bother to deny the Rosetti hit. It's like a Christmas present to him. Bratzi and his boy on the inside are the only ones that know the truth, and they'll probably both be dead in a month. Maybe less. Hap Spencer probably knows the truth, I said. Hap Spencer doesn't seem like he'll cry over it, Jack said. Besides, who's going to listen? 
Everybody knows that Chick Mason killed Al Rossetti. I was quiet for a moment. Think we went too far, I asked. Yes, he nodded. But it was all we could do except die. Maybe, I shrugged, and then thought another moment. I never went that far before, I said at last. And I'll bet you can't remember the last time you said that, Jack said with a raised eyebrow. Shut up, I smiled in spite of myself. Well, it was true. Look, if you feel wrong about it, Jack said, remember, it wasn't you that did it, it was me. That's crap, I said and meant it. We planned it together, and we did it together. And if it was him or me, let it be him, I say. What about me, Jack said, pitching me a softball. I shrugged. <laughs> you could go either way. Real nice, he said, though I guess that's progress anyway. I guess. Listen, I should get back to this. Sure, he said. I'll drop by with the case next week. I won't be here. I crammed another armload of paper into an open box. I'll call you when I'm settled. What do you mean, he asked. I stared at him for a moment. Did you really not notice all of the cardboard boxes? He looked at them. I thought you were cleaning. I am, I said. In two boxes. Why, Jack asked. My landlord is giving me the heave-ho, I said. Because you had a break-in, Jack asked. No, because two people were shot in my office, I said. And they were here to shoot me. And then the place was lousy with cops for a day. The other tenants got the heebie-jeebies about the double murder. Double murder, Jack protested. His words, not mine, I said. That is totally unfair, Jack said. It was a double manslaughter at best. And besides, I wasn't even charged. They were here to kill you. That is also part of his problem with the whole thing, Jack, I said. Still, Jack said, he can't just throw you out. I've been late with the rent often enough, I said. He can pretty much do whatever he wants, and he knows it. Where are you going to go, Jack asked. I shrug. I'll figure something out, I said. I'm going to regret this, he said at last, but there's an empty desk in my office that I never got around to selling. Not really in the market for a desk, Jack, I said. I don't have an office to put it in, remember? No, he said. That isn't what I mean. I mean, you could leave the desk where it is and work there. I could feel my brow knit in confusion. Wouldn't it be strange having two detective agencies in the same office, I asked? Why wouldn't everyone who walks in the door just come to my desk on account of I am much less ugly? Because sometimes they are not looking for five foot ten of bad attitude and a short skirt, he said. Sometimes they are looking for more of a lantern-jawed thug. Besides, I am not suggesting that we compete. Try not to be dense for a minute, will ya? Oh, I said, getting it. Oh! You must get some pretty decent traffic from the ladies with the girl detective routine, he said. It's a routine now. And I do all right myself, he carried on, ignoring me, but there are more days when I do nothing than something. And that's doing all right, is it, I asked, although I could say the same, and we both knew it. I bet if we pulled in both crowds, we'd have more than twice as much work, he said. And we could keep it at 35 a day. Plus expenses, I said. The two sweetest words in the English language, he agreed. It's a stupid idea, I said. Yes, it is, he agreed. It'd never work, I said. We lived this time, but we're pushing our luck as it is. Besides, I still don't like you. I don't like you either, he agreed, but I do hate you less than everybody else. Don't get all mushy on me, I said. Never, he agreed. Well, I said, 
I guess you're a slightly better option than going out of business and moving back in with my parents. I'm gonna have that printed on some cards, he said, with a smile that almost looked genuine. All right, you big dumb ape, I said. Don't just stand there, help me pack. You have been listening to Black Jack Justice by Greg Taylor, read by Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons. This recording and the story and characters therein remain the property of the author. Black Jack Justice is available in print and ebook editions for the discerning reader. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.